ravage love. A day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride, and soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lank, misfortune seemed its lot. He got into a drifting bank, and then we got upset. Upset! Upset! <laughs> she understood the assignment. I understood the assignment. <laughs> it is episode 37, epi- or season 3. Bonjour, Noël. Wow. Bonjour, René. Bonjour. Ça va? Joyeux Noël, ma petite cocotte. Oh. It's oh. Naughty Noël. We are reading some holiday classics, or not so classics, forgettable <laughs> and unforgettable in their own ways. Yeah. And uh, congratulations to Andrea and Courtney. Who won Ooh. our Christmas giveaways? They won a copy of the holiday swap. Um, I made some swag. We got some stickers. So uh, Andrew got the big old prize pack, and then Courtney got the stickers and the. Oh, it's so delightful. Thank you oh, for I listening and participating, Andrea and Courtney, and everyone else who put their yeah. name into the giveaway. Yeah. Well, that's so lovely. And uh, you know what? If you if you bug us, we'll give you stickers anyway. But you got to do the work. You got to yeah. do the work. You got to be pestery and annoying in the old DMs, and then we'll see what we can do for you. Yeah. Um, but before we go on, Julie, we mm-hmm. lost two very important people this week since our last episode. Yeah, we lost Anne Rice and Bell Hooks. It's been a heavy week for the hearts of of goth feminists and just feminists and you know people in general who benefited from the work of these two incredible women. So, yeah, I mean, I think you should give people. You had a really incredible uh, little blurb, a little story that you told me about Anne Rice's journey from like. Didn't she start off Catholic, go back to Catholicism, then abandon oh, yeah. it or something? And then she did like that <laughs> a Snow White. Was it Snow White or Cinderella or what's that? Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping and Beauty. The slutty Sleeping Beauty trilogy. Yeah, she has a few um, different erotica um, sort of series and books, like standalone books and things. But under Anne Rampling. But Anne, like- Ra- but her um, Sleeping Beauty trilogy is like what she's. Like that one's the iconic one, right? Uh, yes. So there's that one, and it's it's a trilogy, right? And then there's um, Belinda, which is a standalone erotica. Um, and I don't know if she wrote those under Anne Rampling or uh, A. N. Rolluckluer or something. Rockluer. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I actually haven't read those, oh. um, because I'm waiting to use them on Ravage Love. And you know what? Oh, yeah. Before we did the show, I never purposely read anything erotic. And I, I, I've shied away from it. It feels like it's too much as an Anne Rice said. And I've read her books and I've read the steamy sex scenes in it. And for her to write that in a regular book and then be like, wait, let's take it up to 11. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm just like, I don't know if my body can handle it. Um that's fair. Um, Kobo was actually having a sale a couple months ago, so I got the Sleeping Beauty trilogy for like five dollars. Yeah, but I haven't cracked it open yet because yeah, I was like, I'm sure it'll come around at some point. But I feel like now we kind of have to. I think we're, I yeah. think we can just say right now we're gonna have an Anne Rice episode in 2022 because absolutely. I mean, praise be. 
And then, yeah, bell hooks. If people don't know bell hooks, that's totally fine. I'm not here to shame you, and neither is Renee, because unfortunately, no. bell hooks is not as pro, like, just like not as known as she should be outside of kind of feminist academic circles. Yeah. But I mean, brilliant black queer feminist from the US, an intellect, a thinker, just brill. She has an incredible book called Feminism is for Everybody, which I highly recommend. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a great book. And I it was actually one of the assigned textbooks for um, my intro to women and gender studies class. So I love that. Also, I think it's important to I mean, Bell Hooks has a lot of quotes that are well known and lovely. But one of hers is and I don't know it verbatim, but it was about the power of pop culture and how it's really great that we have these intellectual conversations and intellectual spaces. But pop culture is a learning tool and popular media, whether it's books, movies, music, is absolutely part of the larger discourse and should be absolutely treated as like a real point of discussion and like that it's worthy of unpacking and that talking about the impact of books and movies and music is not frivolous. And I think that's a really good thing for us to think of here on the show, you know, like we're having fun and doing stuff, but like, yeah, what people talk yeah. about in the mainstream is important because it's a reflection of society and what people's thoughts and values are. So yeah, rest in power, Bell Hooks, you badass. I mean, she was 69, which I think is still pretty young. But, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I absolutely recommend reading some Bell Hooks. Um, and it was very sweet because I had this experience when I was in university where I was like, why did you misspell her name? And the professor was like, oh, Bell Hooks only uses, um, I don't know how to say minuscule in English. How do you say that? Lowercase. She only lowercase, uses lowercase yeah. letters to spell her name um, as a commentary on power and Eurocentric ideas of how things should be. Um, and uh, I remember being like, whoa, you could just do that when I was in university. <laughs> And um, and so it's just been very sweet this this week to see people like spelling it with capitals and other people being like actually and anyways so yeah bell hooks oh. all lowercase uh, really recommend checking her out and yeah in 2022 we will absolutely give you an Anne Rice episode because R.I.P. to that queen mm -hmm. and so oh the thing I wanted to say about Anne Rice was that. Um, you know, she was based in New Orleans, New Orleans for a long time and like is obviously obsessed with the area. Um, but she was, you know, raised Catholic and then she left the church, obviously to be like the most goth bitch on the planet. Um, and, um, and then, but she returned to the church. She returned to the church later in life and yes. really leaned into it and wrote books about Jesus, which was really funny because her books were about like, you know, the, the birth of the Christ child, you know, all that. But she has another story where like from before all this, where Lestat, her famous Tom Cruise vampire, um, he meets the devil because the devil wants to retire and is like, hey, you should take over my job. And he's like, I don't know. And so the devil takes some time traveling and he goes and he sees the baby Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so religious, but she eventually left catholicism and made a really big statement about it where she said you know i basically i believe in god but i can't support an organization that doesn't believe in birth control or supporting you know gay people or women and is so blatantly anti-feminist and she's like i can't belong to that and so she very publicly quit for those reasons and i 
Like, that's so cool. Like, I what respect a- the shit out of that. Yeah. Also, she used to go to some of her book signings in, like, a, like, a horse-drawn hearse in a coffin. It's amazing. Yeah. A I mean, queen. truly, the OG goth mom for realsies. Yeah. An icon. Like, there's just mm-hmm. nobody. Yeah. And was she old? Uh, I think she was in her eight, 70s or 80s. She okay. had a stroke. She had had a stroke complications from stroke. Okay. Um, and for those wondering, I did look to see if she had um, an erotic Christmas book that I could <laughs> read this week. <laughs> and you know what? It exists. What? But yeah, it's a werewolf. It's a werewolf book. Um, but it's the second in a trilogy. The trilogy uh. never got finished, unfortunately. And the reviews for this book were not super duper. And I don't think it's good as a standalone. But she had this idea that she's like, I really want to write like a Christmas book. Um, and she was obsessed with Downton Abbey at the time. Oh so she's God. like, I'm going to give my werewolf a holiday Christmas special. And she did. Because so, Anne Rice did whatever the fuck she wanted. Whatever the fuck she wanted. So RIP. Um, RIP to, to a queen. My goth mom. Yeah. Well, do you want to look truly at the an orphan opposite? now, Julie? <laughs> oh, you are because Carrie Fisher left you, and Anne I Rice lost my left space you. mom. I lost my goth mom. I am an orphan, but I am a product of those women. Yeah, so. you are, and your their legacy carries on within you. Thank you. Oh. I'm only going to come to events now in a hearse, so yeah. don't. If you have no parking for my horses, don't bother inviting me anywhere. Yeah, like Thank lose you. the invite. I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, if you want the complete opposite end of the spectrum from goth moms, um, then... I guess. I guess. Yeah. I mean, and actually, now that I think about <laughs> it, I don't even think that this is actually true. Now I'm going down an existential, like, rabbit hole of, of it. Because what I was going to tell you was, I read a book this week about the Amish, but don't they dress pretty fucking goth? Don't they? They do. They I would do. agree with that. Yeah, yeah they're they're kind of low-key goth. So yeah, you longtime listeners of the show know we'll take any opportunity to read a book about the Amish. <laughs> I find it fucking hysterical and fascinating. So I read a book that I found at a store. So I had a real copy of a real book that I have in my possession called <laughs> The Amish Outcasts Holiday Return. And it is oh. part of the Harlequin love-inspired inspirational romance collection. And, I know it well. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it is inspirational romance that is, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot, and it's fresh to death. This book came out November twenty-first or November of tw- this year. So like, wow, real she fresh. fresh, she fresh. Um, so look, I read the Amish Outcast Holiday Return by Lacey Williams. Now, Lacey Williams didn't just dabble in Amish lit. She's a member of the American Christian Fiction Writers Association. And she has written for Harlequin, but now exclusively for independent publishers. But I don't know if that has changed. Like, that's what she has on her bio. And I don't know if her bio is really, really new. And so she's like no longer working with these people or her bio on her website is old and she did decide to go back to working with a publisher i'm not sure but this is part of the loveinspired.com which is uplifting stories of faith forgiveness and hope oh. um 
And so she has written, Lisa Williams has written over 50 books, which is oh my God. wacky to me. But I'm going to tell you about the Amish Outcast holiday return. And again, I am going to encourage our listeners to go to social media, see the covers of these books, because this one is fucking hilarious to me because it's a woman who's clearly not Amish wearing a cloak, turning towards a man who looks like he works at a fucking budget rent-a-car. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> like repairing a buggy. So it's called The Amish Outcast Holiday Return and the cat like the the tagline is Tis the season for forgiveness. So, Zach, Zachary, if you will. He was raised Amish in an Amish community. And his parents died when he was 10. And he was sent to live with an, with his uncle, who was an Englisher. Oh. And so he has roots in the Amish community, but was mostly raised by an Englisher. And the book makes it very clear that it was because he was raised by an Englisher that he went wayward. And he got really into sex and drugs and drinking. And he, one night when he was 17 drove drunk and ran over a buggy and killed an Amish man. Why are you laughing? <laughs> because I think it's the most outrageous concept I've ever fucking heard. Within the first two pages of the book, this is what you find out. Like, it hits the ground running. And there's just something about the Amish getting mowed down by a car. <laughs> it's just so fucking ridiculous to me. I mean, talk about hitting it on, like, it's a little too on the nose to be like, he was fine. And then he joined the English and became terrible. And to prove it, he mowed down a fucking Amish person. Anyways, he didn't just mow down any Amish person. He mowed down the fiance of Sarah Bueller. And the reason why that's a problem is because he eventually falls for Sarah Bueller's sister. So Zach goes to prison. And when he's in prison, she says jail, but I'm like, it ain't jail if it's four years. Anyways, he goes to prison and and the uncle, this is me and my like legal framework. I'm like, "Mm, jail is for, you know, temporary. Anyways, so he's there for four years. His uncle never comes to see him once. um, Just kind of lets him there to rot. He gets out of prison. He goes right to Sarah Bueller's house and he's nervous. He's terrified. And he asks to speak to the dad and he says, I am so sorry for what I've done to you and your family. Um, which I found interesting because I'm like, you didn't go to the house of the people whose son you killed, but then you find out that they moved away from the community because they just couldn't live there anymore. So he basically wants to apologize to this woman, um, but knows that their culture, the cultural traditions are he can't really speak to her alone. So he's like to the father and they were like, we forgive you uh, because as we've learned throughout the uh, podcast journey together about the Amish is that forgiveness is a huge part of their religion. So they were like, we have forgiven you individually. And as a community, you are forgiven. And Sarah's like, I can't speak to this man. I'm horrified. She runs upstairs to her room, starts crying. Grace is her younger sister. And her younger sister is like, who's this handsome stranger? And then finds out, Oh, he has suffered greatly. And so thus begins the, Back and forth where Grace is falling for Zachary, but her sister feels like it's a betrayal because that man took away the love of my life. 
So Zachary goes and he apologizes to them. They give him his forgiveness. And then he's like, okay, now I'm going to go find my uncle and I'm going to go to my uncle's house and I'm going to stay with him and get back on my feet. And he shows up there and his uncle is not there. And they're like, oh, I, we rent this place. We've written it, rented it for two years. So I don't know who you're talking about. And then he realizes, oh my God, I have nobody and literally nowhere to go. So he has Aww. to sleep in an alley and he almost freezes to death. And is found the next morning by Grace and her father, who are going into town for running an errand. And she finds him sleeping in an alley. He's almost frozen to death. So they have to bring him back home and basically revive him. And they realize he has nowhere else to go. So they say, you can stay with us. But they say, now again, because, you know, if you are new to the Amish genre, you do not know. But um, forgiveness is a huge part of their culture. But so is uh, just throwing in German words constantly and in fact many Amish people only speak German they don't even speak English even if they were born and raised here so I as you know love when these romances just throw in some fucking German for no reason so Englisher is one of them but they put him because he has two unmarried daughters in his home the father does not want this man sleeping in the main house so he can sleep in kind of um, another house that's on the property that they call the daddy house (laughs) but like house as in like h-a-u-s so it's like he's in the daddy house and i was like the daddy house the daddy house where we listen to house music um the house in my papa (laughs) so daddy house um is where he stays and again there's all this tension because he's falling for Grace and Grace's sister is like, I can't believe you even talked to him. No, no, no. So finally Grace says, I'm sorry, but I choose family over you. I can't be with you. I can't pursue this because it hurts my sister too much. And he's like, okay. So he decides to go and try to find his uncle, goes on a journey. And he, Grace says, I'm coming with you. And of course the father is like, well, we can't just let you again horny youngsters so the younger brother comes along so amos and grace and zach are on a mission to find his uncle they find him he lives in a dilapidated house his clothes is dirty and ripped and he's like smoking and drinking and he shows up and he's like you know why did you abandon me and he was like well you were never my fucking i didn't want you anyways and then you became my problem and then you weren't my fucking problem anymore because you were in jail so i forgot about you And then all of a sudden this little girl comes padding up the stairs. She's filthy and her clothes is ripped and she looks awful. And it's his daughter. It's Zach's daughter. So it turns out his girlfriend was pregnant when he went to jail. And she, I mean, the fact that abortion is never even brought up. I'm like, likely. But anyways, she has the baby and then just shows up at the uncle's house and says, you need to take this kid because I can't take care of it. And her dad's in jail. So bye. So the uncle's taking care of the daughter. She's now like three or four, but like barely taking care of her, obviously. So Zach had no idea he had a daughter. He shook. Grace is shook because this is proof that he's not a virgin. A virgin. So is he really chaste and what have you? Um, And he wants to get custody of the daughter. And the uncle's like, nope, nope, nope. Like, fuck you. Get out of here. You suck. We don't want you around. So he's like, oh my God, what am I going to do to get my daughter back? And people are saying you could hire a lawyer, na na na. And he's like trying to figure out what to do, but also he's just shook and he also doesn't really have a real job. And so he doesn't know what's going on. 
And then as he's reeling from that, they take the, you know, head on back home and he's in the daddy house and he's <laughs> out running errands and he is arrested because there was a vandalism and a vandalism. There was vandalizing <laughs> and a robbery at one of the local shops, which daddy house owns and everyone's like, well, who's the only fucking criminal in town? It's Zach. So Zach gets hauled in and he's like, right. And he's like, oh my God, oh my God. Like it wasn't me. And like, I, I don't, I don't know how to defend myself, but like, why would I even do that? And like, I feel so much remorse for accidentally killing someone like, and this community has been so nice to me. Um, now the community actually hasn't been all that nice to him. They've been a little bit side eye to him. Um, but he's like, you know what? Like, I get it. And this particular family has taken me in, even though it's uncomfortable for them. So, like, I'm just trying to be grateful. Then, plot twist again, Renee. Oh, my God. I can't. Okay. He, so he's in, like, in jail, awaiting remand, basically. And they're, like, investigating him and asking him 5,000 questions. And then Sarah shows up in tears with the rest of the family and says, it was me. I hired someone, which I'm like, how do the Amish hire people? But how do you even find this person? So many questions. And I hired someone to just go and like, kind of just kind of, you know, like ransack the place a little bit just to make it look like it was him because I just want him gone. Like his very presence is so (sighs) triggering for me. I just wanted him gone. But the person I got to do it went way overboard and like caused so much damage. And I feel terrible. And also I feel terrible because you know, this is not a way to honor my dead fiance's memory. He would be ashamed of me. He was very devout. And like, this is not good to God. And I just feel so bad for what I've done. So Zach is a good person. He did not do this. I did my bad. And (laughs) so then they're like, oh my gosh. And then Grace is like, let's fuck it. Let's just be together. And Sarah's like, yes, you know, like, I just feel so bad that I was trying to keep you away from him. He's clearly the love of your life. And you know, the love of my life was taken away from me. So you should be with yours. And so, um, that's what happens is that Grace and Zach have a chase little kiss, which is fireworks for them. They, um, the town comes together for Christmas and at Christmas mass, He gets to finally have a Christmas outside of jail and be with family and be back with his faith. And the church collectively apologizes to him and the town apologizes and says, you know, we really had you, you know, forgiveness is part of our religion. And we said we forgave you, but we didn't really forgive you. And that's on us. Our bad. Welcome to the community. And he's like, great. And then proposes to Grace. And at the wedding, the uncle rolls up with the daughter and is like, oh. here, you can have your daughter back. And he was like, what? Fucking <laughs> baker. Yeah. And then, then finds out that Grace was like secretly connecting with the uncle and the baby mama and fighting with them behind the scenes to give custody to him. And then he's like, but who? And she's like, we can raise this baby together. And he's like, you did all of this for me. And she's all like, NBD just all shrug because she's a fucking martyr who does everything for everyone else. And he's like, my life is finally complete. Merry Christmas. The end. Wow. Imagine the uncle was like, she's bleeding from down there and I don't understand it here. And then (laughs) take her back. Take her back. (laughs) Yeah. Except she was four. But yes. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. I mean. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. He would have been like, I don't know. She's growing hair and I hate it. Get her she away. She has from hospital me. bills. Yeah. <laughs> no needs- child should be bleeding that young. <laughs> she needs new teeth. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh so yeah that was the fucking journey of the amish outcast <laughs> holiday return now writing actually was not terrible was not terrible um and like pretty decent character development type stuff um definitely more action than i usually see in an amish story so that was pretty good Uh, I mean, the spice, there was, I mean, zero out of five. Uh, There's a chase kiss with zero sexual tension. The whole thing was pathetic. Um, And in terms of a sex toy that I would assign with this book, as we do on this show, uh, I'm going to go with some, uh, a pony play butt plug tail, like a horse's tail. They're into horses and buggies and shit. I feel like it tracks, you know, it's kind of the energy I'm running with. Yeah. So, um, would not read again. Uh, can't stop laughing at the cover. And now, uh, over to you. What'd you read? I just, I love that, like, every time you read a, an Amish book, you're like, it, was fuck- it wasn't spicy. It was boring. I've never read, I wouldn't read this again. And then meanwhile, you're like, so I have another Amish book. Hear me out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, I just, I can't, I just love it so much, but yet I hate it. But then I love it. It's a real love hate. It's a, it's yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why. And I mean, when I get to my reenactment part, I will, um, read you a part that I'm purposely sexualizing, but I think maybe that's it. I feel like if you go into them, like laying on thick, the sexiness, it's like funny, but yeah, as just like a straight up book. Yeah. It's straight up. Just, it's just straight up Jesus. But I am dying to know what you read this week because when okay. it comes to Christmas and you, it's a love hate relationship. So where'd you, where'd you take things? <laughs> okay. Um, so I read a little thing called waiting for daddy Christmas. <laughs> and <laughs> Different tone it- than the Amish. I'm thinking it's not a daddy house. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, a das Papa house. No. Um, <laughs> Not a dust papa house. No. Uh, although, although my de- my character does end up in dust papa house. So. Oh, oh shit. Okay, tell me everything. So my book was written by Lorelai M. Hart and Aria Grace. Lorelai M. Hart is actually two people. It's Kate Richards and someone else. It's uh, Kate Richards and Aaron Cumming. And I feel like their names have come up before, but I could not tell you. Mm. off the top of my head what they've written but they've come together they're pals uh because they have an affinity for <sighs> mpreg romance what's mpreg romance you might ask yourselves oh i know it's it's, pe- yep. it's it's two guys two cisgendered men making babies and i think oh. it's reserved i think it's reserved specifically to shifters um but I couldn't tell you because this is the first time I've read an Mpreg book um, and my characters were shifters. They never shifted, nor do I know what animals they shift into. So, okay. uh, This is a daddy Mpreg Christmas gay romance, Julie. (laughs) Buckle up! (laughs) Fuck, man, if we had a bingo this week, think of how many (laughs) fucking boxes we would check off between Amish Mm -hmm. outlaws and 
We got Shifters it. getting pregnant at Christmas. Whew. All of it. All of it. And you know what? My book was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yay! So here we go. Here we go. N Noah. Omega. He has suffered greatly, Julie, because, and this is unheard of. I have never read this once yet. He has lost his alpha. He is a widower. His alpha died. Like, can you imagine the, the heartache, the, the, the trauma? This does not happen. I have never read this. But anyway, Noah is a widower. He is mourning the loss of his alpha Steve, his soulmate. Um, and he is just hanging around his house moping, frankly. Uh, it's Christmas. Christmas is coming up. His brother is, is on the line saying, you know, hey, Noah, come visit for Christmas. I won't take no for an answer. And he's like, yeah, okay. But then he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not coming. Just make your peace with it. Um, and then as he's just kind of like moping around, his neighbor Greg comes over and Greg's a chatty Kathy, you know. Uh, and he's like, hey, Noah, how's it going? And Noah's like, oh, great, here we go. So Greg's like, what are you doing for Christmas? And Noah is suspecting that Greg is going to invite him to spend Christmas with him. So he says, oh, I actually have plans to go uh, to a cabin in the woods over the holidays. And Greg says, well, that's actually great because my sister and her family are coming to visit for Christmas, but they're a little much. So I was wondering, can I set them up in your house? Um, while they're here so we don't all get under each other's skin. Well, Noah's already, he has to lean into the lie at this point, Julie. So he <laughs> is like, okay, fine. So he takes to the internet to try and find a cabin in the woods at the last minute uh, and, and to go there for the holidays. Well, over at the cottage, we have Cruz. And Cruz has put just tons of money into building this this cabin and 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 rehabilitating it so that it's a green building and he's finally at the point now where the, the construction is over and he can actually start turning a profit and he's trying to build like a little nest egg for himself um and he is booked up like airbnb style over the holidays he's feeling good he's feeling sexy he's feeling jacked so he's like coming back from a, from a jog and he gets this notification on his phone that somebody has canceled their reservation over the holidays and it's a 12 day reservation. And he's just like, fuck, because he really wanted to build that nest egg. He just really wants to be comfortable and, and live his life. So he's like, well, I guess, well, like, what, what are my choices? He's like, who's going to be looking for a cottage this last minute? So he puts an ad up on the internet. Who answers the ad but Noah saying, hi, I'm interested in, in your cottage. What are you charging for a stay? And he says it's $600 a day, $600 a night. And Noah says, oh, I'm sorry, that I, that's outside of my budget, but thank you anyway, and hangs up. And before, before Cruz has a chance to say, well, what's your budget? You know, Noah's hung up the phone. So he calls him back and he's like, hey, um, you just called me like, what's, what's your budget? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, like $500 total. You know, I've just, I've had a really rough year. I kind of need to get away and that's not your problem. And I'm really sorry for calling. He's like, don't worry about it. And he's like, well, like what happened? He's like, well, if you must know my alpha died. And this just guts Cruz. Cruz is like, oh my God. Like, as we know as readers, like what a loss, like what a loss. Mm -hmm. Cruz understands. So Cruz is like, okay, 
500 bucks. It's yours. It's yours for the holiday. So Noah's like, uh, all right, I guess this is what I'm doing now. So he packs up his little car and he heads out to this cabin and he's thinking, he start, he's feeling a little bit guilty. He's like, oh God, like I took this guy's cabin for like a steal. You know, he's not making any money because of me. But then he's like, maybe it's, maybe it's a shitty cottage. Maybe it's a shitty cabin and I'm actually overpaying. But he gets there and no, it's beautiful, of course. And he's like, oh man, I feel so guilty. So he takes all his stuff and he's trying to head into the, into the cabin, but he slips and he falls and his stuff goes everywhere. But then he hears a voice and that voice gives him tingles below. If you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and he's like, Hey, are you okay? And Noah's like, no, I, I slipped. Well, it's Cruz and Cruz is like, let me help you. And Noah's like, no, you don't have to. But then Cruz is like, no, I really think I do. And that's how we know they're connecting. Julie. Mm-hmm. They're connecting because Cruz is an alpha and Noah is an omega. And as we learn, they're each other's mates. Mm-hmm. So Cruz, being a big softy, decides, you know, nobody deserves to be alone and sad on Christmas. So I'm going to make it worth this guy's while. Also, he doesn't really feel great about taking the guy's money when he's going through so much suffering. So he shows up and he's like, okay, well, this is, you know what? The Christmas package of my cottage is that you get to do um, Christmas activities while you're here. So he like, calls his friends over at the Christmas tree farm and and their friends are kind of like, we got you, bud. And then they like set up like a horse drawn carriage tour and cocoa and cookies. And they go and they pick a Christmas tree and it's beautiful. And they bring the Christmas tree back. And then Cruz is like, Oh, how does it look? And then Noah's like, Oh, there's a little bald spot over there. So Cruz turns or the tree. And then Noah goes over to look at it and he's like, how does it look? And he's like, Oh, it looks perfect. And then Noah's like, or Cruz is like, yeah, perfect. And Noah's like, Oh my God, is he talking about me? And he was, uh, so they decide they're going to make ornaments for the tree. So there's this whole thing of them like doing crafts together. And uh, you know, Cruz just is like all smitten with this, this guy. And he's like, I'm just going to make his life awesome because he's like a lost little kitten and he needs love and then meanwhile noah is just fucking jacking off every second of the day like he just he's just like why can't i stop you know and he's fucking coming everywhere and then one morning he like gets jizz all over his sheets and he's like what am i gonna do and so he has to like wash his sheets but because the house is green he doesn't know how to use the dryer because it runs on steam or something so he has to call Cruz and he's like i sorry i just like i was eating food in my bed and then Cruz is like you don't have to explain to me my sheets got dirty too and it's like oh shit it's going down for real so they go out and they do some more activities they like roast marshmallows and shit and uh Noah's like I'll make you dinner while you're here and like Cruz has brought his dog over and his dog like loves Noah and as they're about to leave Julie neither of them had listened to the weather but there's a blizzard outside it is snowing and there's no way that Cruz and his dog are going to get home so he has to stay the night and so he does and they fall asleep watching sleepless in seattle together and they wake up the next day and they're like wow that was the best night's sleep i ever had um and the sparks are flying they're just fucking flying but they don't do anything yet because Cruz is like you know what? I'm his landlord in this, in this situation. I just want to make sure he has a good holiday and I don't want to like overstep my bound, like 
you know, what's appropriate and respectful. And he's probably not into me anyway. And then, you know, Noah's like, I'm supposed to be in mourning, like an old Victorian woman. Like, I should be in mourning forever. <laughs> like, you know, but he's just like, but he's so cute. And I'm so into him. So eventually they decide consensually together after the discussion and like lots of that stuff that they're going to, they're going to bang it out. And do they ever, Julie? In fact, because they're shifters and Cruz knots him, they decide after they've gone through with this that like yep they're together now so they spend the rest of the book planning their life after the holidays over and then Cruz takes him to meet his family and then everybody loves noah and noah's really happy and then we find out that actually his husband steve that died was actually a piece of shit who was cheating on him and may have been getting a blowjob when he crashed his car and died we don't know um <laughs> we know maybe i made that up i don't know Anyway, uh, so he meets his family. It's all great. And then uh, they keep banging. And he, there's a point where he's like, you know, I could, it's almost like I could feel myself getting impregnated. Um, and then uh, he they decide they're going to live together. And Cruz proposes. And um, Noah's like, yes, I'll marry you, my big alpha lover. And uh, he's like, but I have to go back to the city and just clean up my affairs. And so he goes to do that. But then the whole time he's in the city, he's sick. He's like, oh, my God, I'm fucking sick. And then his neighbor Greg's like, y'all were doing the dirty, though, right? Y'all were raw dogging it over in that cabin. He's like, what does that have to do with anything? And he's like, I think you're pregnant, like real casual. And uh, turns out he was. They're like, we're going to have to get you a test. And I was like, I don't know what test is going to tell you anything, but okay. In this universe, they exist. Um, and he's pregnant. And then when it's time to go back to the cottage, he's like, I'm having a baby. And he's worried that Cruz is going to be upset. But Cruz is like, I love you so much, my Omega. We're going to be a family. It's going to be lovely. And then it is. But then there's a whole scene where he's like, the baby's coming. And then he goes and he gives birth. And it's like, Oh, there was water gushing out of me and i'm like from where yeah it was like uh, where renee yes so long story short they get married they have a christmas wedding with their baby boy who they call noel or noel i don't know what they're you know <laughs> um and, uh, that's how it ends uh that's how it ends now everybody i'm sure is wondering how this works now on Ravage Love, obviously we know that men can have be pregnant as well, right? Mm -hmm. In the case of this story, this was a cisgender man. Shifter. Shifter man. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to dig, Julie. I really had to dig. I don't know why I had to dig as hard as I did, but uh, I found out how it works. Okay. Mm -hmm. Imagine, if you will, a scientific diagram of, you know, the, like, cutout of, like, a man's body, right? Like, the, like, You've severed a man in half. This is what the half side of his penis looks like. Okay. So right next to the anus, <laughs> there's what they call the male vagina. So the male vagina is, it, you would have to go inside the, the, the anus. Um, and it's like, right. It's right next to it. You know what? I'm going to post a picture for our listeners. So, you know, what? I'll pro no, you know what? We'll get kicked off Instagram. hundred percent. So there's, there's a male vagina next to the rectum that leads up to the male cervix, the male uterus, the male oviduct and ovary. 
So when they not, it's when their the penis swells a bulb, not unlike a dog's penis, and it gets stuck in there so that it has a better chance of impregnation. Um, and yeah. So while the cum is going up the rectum, I guess it could also go up the vagina. It doesn't look like they could fuck the male vagina, but I don't know. The the diagram that somebody uh, put on DeviantArt uh, <laughs> doesn't mention that. Um, but if you know, please send us a message because I would love to know if, if they're, if, if, if the alpha fucks the male, like the omega or the betas male vagina or their rectum and then the the jism goes flows into the into the male vagina after that because as described in this story in many stories there was a tremendous amount of cum Mm. just a tremendous amount of cum so what i'm gonna i'm gonna prescribe for this story sex toy wise would be um an omega shifter uh cervical cap Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so they could play safe, right? Because I'm sure they don't, they get nodded. They don't want to have a baby every time, you know? And like, can you imagine what a fucking baby they probably were? Like a man, a cis man trying to give birth. Like, oh, plus it's coming out of its butthole. It's coming out of the man's anus. You're pooping out a baby. And you know, I'll be honest. I think that would probably be easier than vaginal delivery, but who am i to who am i to to know i imagine they have like animal parts that make it easier for them to deliver but i would just assume that any cis man could not comfortably give birth now i will say uh you don't need to google what mpreg is because unless you do it incognito mode which i did not um (laughs) you're just gonna get a i've a lot of fan art. There's there's Thor and Loki. There's some Naruto characters. I have a I have a pregnant Squidward here. Harry Potter, oh Mario God. and Luigi, uh, Sonic characters. I found a comic um, with a, one of the Sonic characters who's been impregnated by Shrek. Oh my! God. And here's I'm gonna read the comic to you. It says, "Wait, Shrek, don't go." And Shrek says, "I'm sorry, but my time here is ogre." And then the Sonic character's like, no. <laughs> so I, I did that for everybody here. Um, now, it, often in um, M-Preg, like romance literature, proper literature, I will say, not deviant art, is they often um, Photoshop big pregnant bellies onto men. And uh, you know what? I would prefer to read some M-Preg of... Um, incredible trans men that's what i prefer to read mm-hmm. than this um yeah. i now is what imp- happening here yeah but i'm just like also like is it really that it has to be like man-to-man impregnation because like remember when i read that um that author for easter whose entire jam is impregnation fetishes yeah, so mpreg is specifically so it's impregnation fetish if you're like a cis woman and the whole thing is that you're going to get pregnant, but impreg is what you're describing. Yeah, it's like m uh, like the la- letter m. Yes. Preg. 
Okay. Not like not like impregnation. Okay. Um, okay. See the more and you in know, fact, the more you I actually know. found a lot of information on a BuzzFeed list, and it does explain. It shows questions like, "Is this mpreg?" And it's Sonic with um, Goku's granddaughter sure. um, from Dragon Ball Z, and the picture of the twin towers on fire behind him. <laughs> And they're like, is this Mpreg? And it says no, even though it's Sonic who is impregnated um, Pan, who's the female granddaughter of Goku, and she's carrying a baby Rainbow Dash from My Little Pony. It's not Mpreg because Pan is female. She identifies as female. So. Uh, wow. wow. Okay. What are you going to read for us? Uh, I got to know. Okay. Just a little, just a little something. Okay. So here they've gone on their first official date, even though they're they've been fucking for a while and they're getting married and shit. Okay. Here we go. What can I get you for dessert? The waitress refilled our water glasses and looked at Cruz with thirsty eyes. She was clearly after my man. Lucky for me, he had zero interest. In fact, his eyes didn't glance her way at all. Would you like something, babe? I smiled, knowing the endearment was for her benefit as much as it was for mine. Well, the chocolate souffle sounds pretty good. Two souffles, please. There was no way I could finish a whole one by myself. One souffle, two spoons, please. As soon as she walked away, Cruz reached for my hand. Are you okay? Yeah, just full, and I felt my cheeks flush. Well, I want to make sure I'm nice and bendy tonight. He chuckled and waggled his eyebrows. I like the sound of that. Oh, you'll like the sound all right. My dick started to get hard just thinking about what was in store for me when we got back to the cabin. His pupils dilated and he turned to seek out the waitress. When she came back to check on us, he already asked for our dessert to go. My alpha was always planning ahead and he could probably scent that if he didn't get me into his truck in the next 60 seconds, I was going to jump onto his lap and milk his knot until I couldn't think straight. Fortunately, we managed to avoid being arrested for public indecency because the cake was delivered and he had enough cash on him that we didn't have to wait for the credit card receipt. We went straight to the truck and instead of opening the front passenger passenger door, he opened up the back. You read my mind. I climbed up onto the back seat and was already getting undressed before he was inside and had the door closed. I couldn't wait another second. His mouth was on mine and even as he worked the button and zipper on his slacks... I'm so fucking hard. I need to be inside you right now. I didn't even pull my jeans all the way off. I got them to my ankles and then bent my knees to my chest. Well, get in me already. He smiled and then pressed his cock to my opening. Brace yourself, Omega. This is going to be quite a ride. He wasn't exaggerating. I came three times and he was right with me for each one. I wasn't sure I could handle a third knot, but when he filled me up, it was exactly what I needed. And his warm seed was locked deep within me. I could almost feel it implanting, like something profound was happening in that moment. And through the fogged up glass and the steam rising off our bodies, I had a revelation. First dates are even better when you're with a man you love. I couldn't have said it better myself. He held me tight, kissing me gently as we both caught our breath. And when we started to get cold, I rolled against his chest and placed my head on his shoulder. Should we go home? Definitely. Thank you so much. That was maybe for Daddy Christmas. Beautiful. Um, there was nodding. There was milking. It was gross. But 
you know what? I will say, considering they had three authors, very well written. Okay, very yeah, well, consistent. Well written. Consistent. consistent. And it, yeah. it was spicy. It was spicy. And every love's like every love making scene was filled with love. And there was a ton of consent. No discussion of um prophylactics or anything, but mm-hmm. I mean, how would it be Empreg otherwise? Right? Exactly. 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 Yeah. It just can't be done. So can't be done. So do you wanna what did you read? Okay, well, I'm going to read you reading? something that is very, very chaste and very, very kind of boring. But the reason why I'm reading it to you is because I saw a friend this week, and I'm going to shout him out, Peter Furtiber, and he picked up my book and was like, duh, fuck. And I was like, it's for my <laughs> podcast. I have to read it on the train home. And he picked it up, and he was, I mean, he was in on page one, couldn't get over it, but he kept... <laughs> reading it with this like as if there was sexual innuendo and i just kept trying to convince him like peter there's no sexual innuendo like this is not meant to be sexy it's written by a christian (laughs) god-fearing woman and so this is a passage that he read to me and was like you're gonna tell me this isn't innuendo and i was like i cannot tell you how much this is not innuendo so i'm gonna (laughs) read it as though it is all right but it's definitely not this is early in the book okay and um they are i'm just gonna see here find it okay so they are she has he's come to apologize to the family to say you know sorry sorry i killed your sister's fiance my bad sorry and grace is like you know a good chaste amish woman and so she's trying to be nice to him um and he is just sort of taken by how kind she is to him because he's like i don't really think i'm deserving of this kindness he didn't understand why she was being so kind to him kindness was one facet of the amish faith but if it had been him on the other end of that coffee mug he would have had a difficult time serving someone who'd wronged his family he spent his time in prison readying himself to return to the amish life if he could find a church that would accept him but in the face of grace's gentle kindness he wondered if he was ready after all He'd been 10 years old when his parents died, but he remembered their quiet faith. They'd believed in everything the Bible said and had been a part of a vibrant Amish community in Pennsylvania before they died. He was the one who'd lost his way, living with Uncle Paul. But Grace, Grace made it look easy. It seemed effortless for her to show kindness to Zach. He thanked her for the milk and took a sip of it. This was not the watered-down, store-bought kind of milk that his cheapskate uncle had provided. This was the milk he remembered from his childhood, and suddenly he found his eyes swimming with tears. He ducked his head, embarrassed for Grace to see his emotions so wildly out of control. It had to be because of the rough night he'd just spent. He'd gotten very, very good at hiding his emotions in prison. He'd had to. Again, she pretended like she hadn't seen. She moved through the sun-dappled kitchen to what must be a storage room beyond it. She returned with her arms full of the two largest cooking pots he'd ever seen. It seemed like ages ago that he'd seen his mother in the kitchen canning. That must be what Grace was preparing to do. Judging by the number of empty jars and those boxes in the corner, she was going to be at it all day. (laughs) What are you making? He asked. His voice sounded hoarse and unused to his own ears. Apple butter. She sent him a quick glance and smile over her shoulder. She pulled a peeler and two large knives from a drawer and (laughs) laid them on the counter. All by yourself? It looks like a lot of work. I'm helping my cousin, but yes, it will be a lot of work. 
She topped off his coffee cup and he nodded his thanks. What will you do? She asked. I don't know. He spoke to the coffee cup, feeling consternation that he still didn't have a plan. I thought my uncle would help me, but... But his uncle had disappeared. What about your friends? He felt the rush of the old betrayal. The people I thought were friends disappeared the minute I got into trouble. I haven't heard from any of them in years. He'd been hurt by how quickly they ditched him, especially Tiffany Boyd. They dated for almost a year, and he thought the promises they'd made were unbreakable, but she dumped him via a phone call with this conviction. He'd been wrong so many times. But Grace didn't need to hear about that. He ducked his head and went back to his toast. She kept working, too. She fetched a crate of apples from the storage room and put them on a chair at the opposite side of the table from where Zach sat, but she hesitated instead of walking away. You should ask my dad, which they spelled dad. <laughs> you, should, you should ask my dad if you can work with him for the day. He lost some workers over the summer and he needs help. And it would provide Zach with a little more cash. Maybe then he could figure out a way to track down Paul or whether he even wanted to. He felt a hot rush of emotion again that she would offer this to him. Somehow he knew that if Sarah had been the daughter riding along with her father this morning, he wouldn't have eaten a hot breakfast, and he wouldn't have received the tip about possibly working for her dad. <laughs> he was grateful, but before he could voice it, she turned back to her preparations. It was only a matter of minutes before he had cleared his plate and drained both the glass of milk and his coffee. And then Mr. Baylor joined them. Mr. Bueller joined them. His well-groomed beard and neat appearance were more reminders of how shabby Zach must look right now. He didn't know if Mr. Bueller would give him a job today. He didn't know what he was going to do with rapidly dwindling cash and no place to stay. But at least he was facing the day with a full belly, thanks to Grace. Come with me, Mr. Bueller said. <laughs> <laughs> Zach followed, though he couldn't help sending one last glance over his shoulder. It was probably the last time he would ever see Grace. She gave him an encouraging smile. Her eyes, her eyes sparkled with warmth. And he knew that whatever the day had to bring, he was going to hold on to the memory of that smile as tightly as he could. That ain't sexual to me at all. But Peter was like adamant and kept being like, uh, she returned with her arms full of the two large and cooking pots. Her milk reminded him of his mom's milk. Like he just kept being like, <laughs> women and yeah. milk is sexual. I'm like, I don't see it, but it's just fucking. No. You know what? Yeah. I am. I'm with Peter. Are you? I was, oh. I'm with Peter. And you know what? I was hoping you would do your Amish voice. Um, but I prefer this. I say moving forward. <laughs> I don't even remember what my Amish voice is, though. That's the thing is I just it's whipped like, it up. It's like no, we mustn't do that today. <laughs> like it's it's so like like they're finished. over the top soap opera y. Like I don't remember the name of your character, like the character in the book, but it was like no, why do you have such a leather jacket? I can't believe that you would read like this today. And I love it, uh, but I I like Peter's interpretation of this. I I love it. All I right, it. well. I'm love inspired we threw a little spice on that bitch with our little mm -hmm. interpretation but yeah we have one more wow. naughty noel episode for you and then um we're taking a little hiatus until valentine's day 2022 so and then we'll be back with season four Judy. season fucking four and you know what's the biggest i mean i'm so excited that we're up against season four but i have to tell you renee pretty fucking 
pissed that uh, we're going to be into our fourth season and we're still in a goddamn panini. <laughs> yeah, you know, yes, but... Considering um, we started this podcast during the, the fucking pandemic and it's still happening, I'm not happy about it. No. I'm not. You know what, I'm not either, but I do appreciate that we finally have come up with, like, a, a proper season schedule. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I see. Look at you. Always finding some silver linings. You know what? If anybody were to describe me as anything, it would be optimistic. (laughs) Yeah. I am just the most positive person ever on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Just sunshine and rainbows with your goth mom and your space mom. Yes. Yeah. I'm the sunshine and rainbows for both of us. So it's fine. You don't have to bring that energy to this space. But... Uh, I do love Naughty Noel. I'm bringing well. the middle finger to this space. Oh, though. I like it. I like it. Something, someone needs to bring it. Um, so my my space mom taught me. <laughs> when in doubt, flip them off. Flip a bird at any. Uh, I mean, it's never inappropriate as far as I'm concerned. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for <sighs> listening to us this week, folks. <laughs> Thanks so much for chatting with me, Renee. It's the highlight of my week, week after week. It's the highlight of my week. I, you know what? If if ever we stopped doing this show, I don't know if we would still rap like this every week. I mean, I want to believe we would. I feel like we started something that can't be stopped. So can't be I, stopped. I, I just hope we get bigger and badder for next year. And I 100%. hope we finally have some fucking Ravage Loves Tukes, bud. Oh, we are still on the hunt for those goddamn Tukes. So if anyone can hook us up with the supplier, we would oy, oy, oy. love it. But so far we got stickers and we got magnets and... And we will give you some if you are kind to us and participate in some of the shenanigans that we're going to be putting on the old socials in January. Because we won't have an episode in January, but we're going to have some shenanigans on the Instagrams. So you should uh, follow us there and help us shape season four of Ravage Love. And get your friends to follow family members, you know, prison, prison roommates, like anything, anything you got, Um, let's throw it at it. Yeah. And like, you're just balancing on, on like, we're teetering at 300, just teetering. And I I want us to get to that number. It's sexy 300. What's sexier than the number three? I mean, I've seen 300 Gerard Butler. He can get it. It's sexy. I'd fuck with that. Yeah. hundred percent. But totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's do it. Let's let's get there, buds. Let's, let's do there. it. And thank you for continuing to be here with us through this journey. Yeah. All right. This was great. Thank you. You're welcome. Julie. Yes. Would you sing us out? I absolutely would, Renee. Yes. <clears throat> Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Ravage Love.